The Bloody Podcastacre with Zach Walters and Kennedy Catherine. Welcome back to the Bloody Podcast Liquor with Zachary Walters and Kennedy Catherine. Were you spooked that I started? No, I was just wondering if you were going to continue. <laughs> That's why I was kind of caught off guard because my name's always second. No. No. My name's first. I go second. Sorry. I also noticed in an episode that I called you Zachary and you went, I don't like that you call me Zachary. As a person who edits all these podcasts, I only call you Zachary <laughs> in every opening. So. Well, you know what? That's okay. But as long as you're not, like, getting mad at me when you say Zachary, then that's fine. I never would. Thank you. Well. What do you call me? I say Kennedy. Do you? Yeah. And when I say Ken, it's weird. Whenever people just make the choice to call me Ken without my (laughs) explicit authority Mm -hmm. and consent, I'm always like, oh, where did you get that from? I think that's funny that you think you (laughs) can say that. Um, But if you said it, it would be fine. Yeah. I just know, like, a couple of our friends call you Ken. And so I, like, I've been like, oh, yeah, Ken. And I'm like, no not for you no but it's also hard because we have our friend who shares the same last name as you yes it's hard i would like to marry her just for that reason so you could be kennedy kennedy yeah i think it'd be very funny i wonder if she would have just a business marriage with me so i could do that what would you do just change my name but what's your business venture the marriage oh <laughs> mm, good <laughs> yeah that's it so today we are doing a- mm? oh go nope i was gonna say a new movie but we're not doing anything it's like. not a new movie it is a moderately old movie. I was surprised when I saw the, the year. I think it's confusing because it had varied levels of releases over about three years. Yeah. But the 2009 movie, Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. What was your first experience with this movie? Because the one thing about Paranormal Activity is that it was just the perfect time for our age. Yes. And so everybody in our age group has some story with this movie. I literally, my notes on this, my first note is, talk to me about the first time you watched this movie and everything (laughs) that you went through your mind during these moments. Oh, I will. This is my whole shebang with Paranormal Activity. 2009, I watched it on New Year's Eve with like friends at the time. What an odd movie to watch on, like, a New Year's Eve, you know? It's not, like, a Halloween. Because I want to say, like, by the time it was, like, available to us to watch, it probably came out, like, in October. I don't remember what the actual release date was. But by the time we watched it, it was New Year's Eve. And we watched it after the, like, New Year's ball and, like, Rockin' New Year's Eve happened, everything, past midnight. So New Year's Day, technically. Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. What is it, 1962? It still happens. I know. Okay, well, then don't... We're living in 2021. Okay. Unfortunately, but we watched it in like the basement of her parents' house. It was terrifying, but it was like those like classic like it felt like teenagers watching a scary movie at night kind of thing. You right. know, I remember being so scared. I didn't sleep. I think I went to bed at like seven a.m. Mm-hmm. I was genuinely so scared. Well, also because that basement, I was like, there is something in this basement, and the fact that it was like this real thing even though yes we've had Blair Witch it was like these people are real I'm going to die tonight Mm -hmm. this ghost is coming for me next and I am the first one out it was terrifying thank you terrifying (laughs) watch do you think at that point it was the scariest thing you'd seen yes 100% same it's because it was so just you only got like glimpses of their life Mm -hmm. it never was anything like oh they're going into a forest it was their home there was no sound like no music slow building and so it was like 
all of those things could happen. Like, yes, your door could move in the middle of the night, but it could be, like, anything. Like, you know, it felt so real also because the credits were literally just their names. And the opening saying, this is the property of Paramount and the police department. Yeah, it was like, I think I wrote that down. That was a detail that I forgot. That oh, that I... Paramount picture said that they'd like to thank the families for the footage yes. and the um, San Diego Fire Department, which you're like, Ugh. it's big because Paramount Pictures itself, massive. And so when you see like a massive company like that being like, thank you, we are like so sorry. What's happening? Whoa, whoa, whoa. It was definitely the Blair Witch of our yes. age group. Mm-hmm. I was in high school. I think it was 2009. I was in high school. And we watched it in the same basement that I watched The Exorcist in. One of my best friends. Classic basement. Yeah. One of my best friends at the time. We watched like all movies in his basement. There was a lot happening at the time. Like in the movie or in your life? Or in the situation? (laughs) In the night. Okay. It was one of those moments where we were just at that age where everybody who was friends was starting to realize that we were all really hormonal teenagers. So everybody was like starting the pairing off kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I remember like a under the blanket hand holding situation was probably happening. I couldn't in the moment feel how terrified I was. Well, the weird thing about paranormal activity is that it originally came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. Then it was re-released with a different ending. So we actually knew that the one that we were watching was the cinematic release and that this was not the original and that it was not real. Mm -hmm. And so in the moment of watching it in a basement with a bunch of teenagers who are making jokes, it didn't feel very scary. When I got home that night, it was either a school night or I had something that I had to be up for in the morning. (sighs) Admitting this is like painful for me. (laughs) I'm ready. I have these moments though with scary movies. I had to make my mother sleep in bed with me. I was a teenager. But they that ha- it's weird how like your psyche all of a sudden will just be like no completely shuts down and yep. you're like I literally need to cope in some way mm-hmm. to get me through what I just watched in this movie that is obviously fictional. Yeah, and I don't even really remember what it was in particular that scared me so much. It was just the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I could not sleep for days. It ruined me. And then I think it got a theater release. I don't remember ever seeing a theater release because I think we, it's weird because I don't remember if I like had it on a DVD. I remember hearing about it, but I don't think I ever saw a trailer for it. I remember we specifically got it from Blockbuster. (sighs) All right. I, if there is one thing that I would love to come back is movie rental places. Mm -hmm. Even though, yes, we literally have movies at at our fingertips. And you can also get them from the library. Yeah, and like movies are everywhere that you can borrow or rent, but it was like the idea of going and going through each one, even not even renting. Did you ever do that? Did you ever go to Blockbuster and just wander and just like be like, oh my God, have you seen this movie? Oh my gosh, me and my friend Jenna did this all the time. Sometimes. It's when we didn't have our licenses, Mm -hmm. and so her sister would drop us off at Blockbuster, and we would just go wander Blockbuster. And we couldn't rent a movie. That's the thing is I feel like... I think you have to be 16. Yeah. And so we were probably able to rent movies. I'm sure that we did. But I think a lot of times we would go in and what would end up happening is that we would find something and realize that we weren't old enough to rent Mm. it. That it would be 18 plus. And so we would find another way to watch it. I wish that Netflix would bring back... Because Netflix used to send out yes. DVDs. Which is, I never I never did it. No, me but neither. But it was such a cool concept, mm-hmm. but I thought it was fake. I remember seeing commercials. And you're like, there's no way. Yeah, I was like, there's no way that they're going to mail you a movie and you have to mail it back. Yeah, that's a pretty 
people don't return things to Blockbuster. You have yeah. to have a lot of trust in that. Mm-hmm. I wish they would bring that back for the reason that how much time have I wasted scrolling through the same four streaming services? Mm-hmm. At least when you're in a physical building and you have to make a choice, you're not going to just sit there for 30 minutes. <laughs> I <did>. definitely did. <laughs> okay. We would be there for like a good 40 minutes. And I'm sure those blockbuster workers are like, here's these kids again coming to just sift through these plastic cases with photos on them. <laughs> there was a blockbuster in the north end near where my grandparents lived that had a slide in it. <laughs> I swear to God, I hope I'm not making this up. Um, part of me wants to call my sister right now and get confirmation. But I'm like 95% sure that it was a blockbuster and it was pretty big. And then there was a designated separate room for children's movies that had a slide in it. And it wasn't like a Fisher Price small slide. I think it was... Blockbuster has put the money yes, into it. Yeah, like a tunnel slide. I remember Blockbuster... Nope. I was going to say, I think it had like a child's play area, but I don't think that that was correct. No, you're probably thinking McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wild times. You know what's also weird? on like the whole renting thing i keep having weird dreams about being like in a like movie rental place or like a library where it's just movies and you, maybe it's because we're doing a horror podcast say, and i'm trying to search for new movies maybe and that's like my subconscious yeah. being like whatever i'm always trying to find either like a new scary movie but then something happens where like it burns down or like i can't find it huh so um next week we will be discussing my psyche and how yes we will talk through this therapy of mm-hmm. i'm gonna make up some notes i'm gonna talk yes. to my therapist about this thank you it's gonna it's gonna be fine yes if you haven't listened to it podcast recommendation radio rental it's hosted by Rain Wilson, which is neither here nor there, um, because he kind of plays like a character. Mm. And then it's people write in their stories of just unexplained things that have happened to them. It is unbelievably good. There's only one season so far, but I went through that podcast unlike anything in recent years because I find it hard to find podcasts now. I know. I'm going to have to listen. I don't think I've heard of it yet. You'd love it. I think also why Paranormal Activity was so successful we all loved it is because there was no like physical being that we had to see a malevolent spirit invisible to literally everybody but then it had all that silence and i think that's why i really liked this movie and, and like I watching think... it again this time sorry no it's okay. but watching it like again we discussed this like no it's not the greatest movie but like it really has some like it i think it brought back obviously found, found footage. footage i think it really set the stone for like what was to come set the stone <laughs> Set the foundation. Yes, the stepping stone. Yes. We say when we talk about it that Blair Witch was the thing that set the foundation for found footage. And in many ways, it was. I mean, it was. Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to movies like Unfriended or... um, What's another good one? Like Cloverfield, even. Or... I think a lot of those movies maybe wouldn't have come to fruition in the same way if Paranormal Activity hadn't come up first. And it's also interesting because... I was going to ask you this question, but I kind of am going to answer it myself at the same time. Do you think that we're ever going to have a lull in found footage and we're going to have a revival again where another generation is going to feel like that, like, oh my gosh, is this real? But then at the same time for my answer already, I'm like, I don't think we will. It's been, what, 12 years since Paranormal Activity came out. We've had so many found footage movies. Do you think that we're ever going to get to a point where maybe found footage dies off and it comes back in a weird rebirth? 
it's really hard to say because we don't know how technology will evolve. That's true. And I think it'll be dependent on, yeah, the shifts we see in technology. Because when you look at something like Host, Host was born from this situation that we're in Mm -hmm. and the sort of uprising of Zoom in the world. If something like that were to happen where all of a sudden we were to see a new technology that everyone was using and easily accessible, we might see something new in that way. But I don't know that you would... I think the idea of like, and somebody found something on tape is going to be phased out because younger generations don't even know what that is. I know. I really want to commend the Paranormal Activity series for like really putting new items or like different objects into horror as like a genre. Yes, we had like a whole literal universe of Paranormal Activity. We had six of them in Mm -hmm. total. Have I seen them all? 100%. I have not. You haven't? I've seen the first two. There's also another one coming out in 2022. I know, and I'm going to have to watch it because I've seen <laughs> them all. Um, but do I like them all? No. I think that it has some good ideas to just, like, scare an audience. I'm going to talk about some of the like my favorite like little parts from the other movies just as like a tidbit. In the fourth movie, they use an Xbox Connect. Do you know what that is? Do you no. remember? It no. was like... So for an Xbox, I have one. Okay. Um, there's a Connect machine, and what it did was put like little lasers through the room, in which it could track your body. And so they use that, like how we has that sensor kind of thing. Yes. Okay. So you could do like just dance, but it would track your whole body versus just having a remote. And so they used it in the movie, and they tracked the ghost sitting on the couch terrifying because at the time everybody had one of those connects yeah and when that came out i was like i have to get rid of mine i don't even have mine attached (laughs) to my xbox because it is somewhere in a box because i will not have that around in the marked ones which was like is that the most recent one no the ghost dimension was the most recent one this was kind of like a spin-off almost like a separate storyline from the main one Mm -hmm. they used the simon says game you know like the color matching one where you follow the pattern and put repeat the buttons sure I get the, the concept. Gen- yes. They use that as the Ouija board. And so, like, they would get the, like, spirit to either push red or yellow or mm. green. And then it started doing patterns. And it was like, never going to do that. But what could that communicate? They would ask it questions. Oh, and say, and like, then press would, this color yeah. for this. Got it. And then eventually, like, it just started repeating no, no, no. And it was just like, mm, nope, don't like that. It was freaky. I do not like that. Um, but my favorite thing about Paranormal Activity is they do this one scene in the third one. And they have an oscillating fan. And it's sitting at the edge of two rooms, like kind of in the corner where the wall splits. Okay. And the fan is going slowly and the camera's on top of the fan. So it's like trying to pan through the whole room. And so you're watching this camera pan along with the fan, like from one side of the room into the kitchen, back into the living room. And it is so slow Mm -hmm. and it slowly goes. And then there's something standing there and then it goes back and it's gone. And it was just like... There was so much tension built in that, and I really, like, I just want to commend them on being... I think that they were, like, kind of, like, little pioneers in some way. Very Adding innovative. all of these cool things. Yeah. But overall, it's a story great no. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap that up. I appreciate that technique, though. In the one that we're going to talk about today, the time marker at the bottom of the screen allows you some warning of something is going to happen because it'll be fast-forwarding through, and then it'll just stop at, yeah. like, 2.13 a.m. or something like that. So ostensibly, you have time to prepare yourself, and yet you're never really prepared for the thing. And so even that concept of the camera's on top of the fan, so it's working in a timely fashion that you Mm -hmm. can track in some way, but you're still... You don't have any control over it. No. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's Um, smart. I also really liked about Paranormal Activity is the nighttime shots were not your typical night vision green. 
it was like a like subtle blue yeah. and it was like this weird cool atmosphere which mm-hmm. you were like it felt chilling because it made it be like cold in a sense you right. know that something was wrong and that it wasn't this weird night vision that's just green and you're gonna see these beady eyes from the camera mm-hmm. and the light so i really liked that as well it felt it just felt cool to watch it i also think it's cool that in 95 movies that they've made they never deviated from the found footage thing because Mm -hmm. i was listening to another interview about it and they were talking about how in the first in this first movie there is a scene where i don't think we ever even really touch on this but mika finds out that there is somebody who had who lived through a very similar experience in the Mm -hmm. 60s and this person who was being interviewed was like oh would you ever make a prequel and they were kind of like well no because how could we there wouldn't really be the availability of the found footage in the way there is now. So mm-hmm. I like that they're like, well, we're not going to venture into like a cinematic feature film uh, steady cam or whatever. They did do a prequel, though. Oh, did they? The oh, I've seen one. that. Yeah, I actually Because it was about that. Katie and her sister growing up. Right. Which was nice because they, they really kept true to like the stories that they were telling. I liked watching the first one again, now seeing all of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Katie's talking about this that happened with her sister. Yeah. And then they showed that later. Yeah, we have hints along the way. Mm -hmm. So they kept true to the story without, like, deviating too far and to the point where it's like, you've really ruined the story. Should we? Do you want to break down the very quick plot, I feel, of Paranormal Activity? I really do. In 2006, Katie and Mika, a young couple, moved to a house in San Diego. Katie claims an evil presence has been haunting her since she was a child. Sumika sets up a camera in their bedroom to record any paranormal activity that occurs while they sleep. A famous psychic, Dr. Friedrichs, who reveals that Katie is being haunted by a demon that feeds off negative energy and is intent on tormenting Katie, advises them not to communicate with the demon and to contact demonologist Dr. Averys if needed. Katie seems interested, but Mika does not take this seriously. The camera captures many strange occurrences, which are minor at first, such as noises, flickering lights, and the bedroom door moving. However, Mika taunts and mocks the demon, soon worsening the situation. During night one, keys are heard jangling. On the 13th night, the demon angrily screeches, there is a loud thud, and the door slams shut. Voice-recorded tests are conducted by Mika the following morning, which reveal demonic grunting when he asks if it would like to use a Ouija board to communicate. During night 15, Katie appears to be in a trance as she gets up and stands beside the bed and stares at Mika for two hours before going outside. Mika tries to convince Katie to go back inside, but she refuses and appears to remember none of it the next day. That night, Mika brings home a Ouija board, leaving Katie very upset. When they leave the house, the camera records an unseen force moving the board's pointer to form an unknown message on the Ouija board, which then, spontaneously, catches fire. Katie sees the video and pleads with Mika to contact the demonologist, but again, he refuses. During night 17, Mika sprinkles baby powder in the hallway and outside the bedroom door. The couple is awakened by creaks and find non-human footprints leading to the attic where Mika finds a burnt photograph of a young Katie. Katie finally calls the demonologist, but learns he's out of the country. The events shown in the film have terrified Katie, which has strengthened the demon's power. They eventually call Dr. Friedrichs back to the house, but upon entering, he's unnerved by the level of demonic energy he senses. Stating that his presence only makes the demon angrier, he apologizes and leaves. This bleak reality causes the couple to lose all hope. On night 20, Katie is pulled out of the bedroom and the demon attacks her in the dark. The camera is motionless the entire time, leaving the audience uncertain of what has happened. It is shown that the demon has bitten Katie. 
Mika discovers the bite mark and decides events are too out of control to remain in the house. He packs for them both to head to a motel. Mika finds Katie unresponsive and discovers that she's holding a cross so tightly that her hand is bleeding. He takes the cross and burns it. Just as they are set to leave, the possessed Katie insists they stay, then talks to someone apparently next to her, saying all will be okay now. On night 21, Katie gets out of bed again and stares at Mika for two hours before going downstairs. After a moment of silence, Katie screams for Mika and he quickly rushes to help her. Afterwards, we hear him scream in pain and Katie stops screaming and after another moment of silence, heavy footsteps are heard coming up the stairs. Suddenly, a loud roar is heard as Mika's body is violently hurled at the camera which is knocked off the tripod, revealing a demonic Katie standing in the doorway with blood on her shirt. She slowly walks into the room and crawls to Mika's body, then looks up at the camera with a grin. As she lunges toward the camera, her face takes on a demonic appearance just as the scene cuts to black and another growl is heard. A text states that Mika's body was discovered by the police on October 11, 2006, and that Katie was never found. You know what? Mika is the worst character in the film. <laughs> Thank God he died. Mika is maybe the worst character in most horror movies. He's that skeptic character, which I think we all have a part of that, like, skepticism in us. But he's really, like, pushes it to the extent where I'm, like, I'm literally so happy everything is, everything is happening to you because you're literally being not only, like, awful to, like, this situation, but awful to your, like, girlfriend or wife. That's the thing. It's, it's, he's gaslighting her. It's, like, ugh, there were so many times. It's just she would be, like, simply, like hey, can you not do this, please? And he was like, oh, you want to fucking try me, demon? And you're like, whoa, whoa, like, come She's on. She's asking you. She's telling you, I've dealt with this my whole life. Can we call the demonologist? Can we not get a Ouija board? And he's walking around his house, not even joking, being like, come at me, motherfucker. Let's go. It's like, guess what? Your penis is not going to solve this issue. We no. get it, testosterone. And it's just like the whole time, anytime he spoke up, I literally was like, can we die sooner? Let's make this a movie about Katie. Because honestly, Demonic Katie is the one to be. The star. <laughs> I hate him. I truly cannot stand him. But let's talk about our favorite scenes. And then we can talk about how much we loathe this yes. man. You know, this is another one of those movies. And I think that this happens a lot with found footage. Is there so many continuous shots? This mm-hmm. movie's way more segmented than others. But it still makes it hard to distinguish like one specific like wow that was my favorite kind of going off that i think one thing i really liked about paranormal activity when it would go into night and it would be like night number one you knew that you had to prepare for something Mm -hmm. even if it was small you were like i remember watching in the theater and me and my friend being like well night's here time to like curl up quickly because like for like the second and onward Mm -hmm. it was like we know something's coming and it gives you like a little bit of preparation but you don't know what it's going to be i am so certain there was a theatrical release at some point, and it might have been years later down the line, because sometimes theaters will just yeah. play something. I so specifically remember seeing this in theaters hmm. and feeling like it was feeling nervous that it was going to be that much scarier because it was in theaters and you can't go anywhere or say anything or make any jokes. Except, as we've said, it's after the first time, it's stale. Mm-hmm. Great movie, but you don't need to see it more than once because once you know, you know, and that's kind of it. Yeah. I think maybe you probably did see it in theaters. I think I did. Because growing up, I lived in a town with one movie theater that held about 300 people less, 200 maybe. Mm -hmm. Big box office hits, 
very often like we would get like you know those i don't know the big marvel movies like those kind of things harry potter um children's movies but like things like horror movies very few and far between can i just say one of the best and worst experiences i ever had was in a extremely small town movie theater visiting a friend who was doing radio there nick he listens to the podcast hi nick and um we went and saw the conjuring 2 and i was on a fun natural drug Something about being in a small, <laughs> dusty-ass town where <laughs> things are already spooky, just the vibe is spooky, and yeah. watching a scary movie in a dilapidated old <laughs> old theater, I was like, I, I gotta go home. I simply cannot be here anymore. That's like when I go to the Rainbow Theater, and it's like the just, two rows of like three seats, and you're like, am I in an airplane watching a movie? When was the last time you went? Because that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, no, not Rainbow. Sorry, I'm thinking of the Roxy. <laughs> oh. No, I was thinking of the Roxy, where it's like there's those side theaters where it's like literally like three yeah. seats on either side, and it's like a plane. But I like it. It's very Phantom of the Opera. I yeah, I very much like it. It's like my favorite movie theater because I love a good cozy theater. Me too. Big theaters scare the shit out of me. The new theater that we have, even though it's huge, so comfortable. It's so comfortable because it's spaced out and you don't feel crammed. Yeah, reclining seats. Mm. Ugh, a literal godsend of the movie theater. Oh man, I really struggled with this because. For some reason, I forgot that there is when a spirit or whatever it is, when the demon is coming in and out of the room, you can see a shadow on the door. Mm -hmm. I'd forgotten about that detail and I loved it because it scared the shit out of me when I noticed it this time. So I was going to pick that, but it was such a minute thing. Well, they all are is the problem, you know? But I do have to go with the first night that Katie gets up. And goes to Micah's side of the Mika, sorry Mika's side of the bed and stares at him for those two hours because it was so unexpected. Do you know what kind of made me mad about that scene though? Hmm. As fucking if you wouldn't feel someone standing next to your bed for two hours. Also, like that, like I wake up enough in the night where I notice like if my cat's like has gone just like walk around. Yeah. Like, I notice like that something. I notice my surroundings because I wake up so much. Absolutely. You don't notice like you maybe roll over and. Katie's not there and then you maybe roll over again and she's still not there also you can't tell me that you don't sense that your body is not sensing something you don't sense the shift in the bed and then you don't feel someone stood a literal foot away from you hovering penetrating you with a stare you can't no breathe near me when I'm asleep without me being like what once again just another reason that Micah's flawed Mika <laughs> oh Worst character. Zero sense of awareness. No, not at all. Also, his job is a day trader. What the hell is that? A day trader? Yeah. It's in the stock market. Oh, of course. So it's okay that he died because he'd be having a hell of a time right now. Right now he would be fucking losing it. I should Google that because I just said that as if I know and I don't (laughs) understand what a stock is. (laughs) Yeah, neither do I. Um, Did you also get the sense that he looked like Nev from Catfish? It's so weird that you say that because I am in the middle of watching Catfish. Like, we are fully in a catfish phase in my house, which my roommate has never watched it. Oh, my God. And no, I didn't find he looked like Neve. Neve, right. Not Neve. I just, there were some shots, like, when he was in the pool, I was like, catfish. And she was a student. That was the only reason that I could think that maybe she was putting up with this bullshit. I was like, okay, maybe he's funding their lives because she's a student. An English teacher also. Oh, like, was she? An English major is what she said. Uh, oh, well, best of luck. <laughs> yeah, to like you. you really <laughs> As a writer, I say I tip my hat to you, ma'am, and we'll see what happens. So that was my favorite scene. What was yours? My favorite scene is I have like two kind of, because it's the first one leads into the second one. Okay. My first favorite scene has to do with like the Ouija board catching on fire. 
I thought that that was so scary. It starts off with, like, Katie talking to her friend when they're making beads, which is so strange. They were making, I was like, this is what you as, you know what, I shouldn't judge. It was the 2000s. That house was so 2000s. Her outfits, her sunglasses. That big, you remember those big box TVs where they sat on the floor and the bottom was something. I know. But the top half was the TV and they were, whoops, they were huge. So, like, deep? Yes. And for what? And for what? I guess to have a big screen, but like, Jesus Christ, it's amazing how in like 10 years, TVs have gone from like three feet long, like wide, to literally being like half an inch. Back in the day, a flat screen was the thickness of this ass. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been waiting to say that? (laughs) It just came to me. And I shouldn't have said it because have you seen my ass? <laughs> no. Well, look at it next time I stand up because it is about the thickness of a 2020 flat screen TV. Can't see me when I turn sideways. <laughs> Amazing. Um, skinny legend. I work with a skinny legend. Anyways, <laughs> they're making their beads in 2006. Great year for beads. Yes. Bead activity two. <laughs> the beading. Paranormal activity, the awakening of the beating. Oh, the bead dimension. Anyways, <laughs> Mika, sorry, I had to really think about what his name was again, talks to Katie and her friend and is like, what are your thoughts on a Ouija board? And both of them are like holding their little beads being like, uh, no. Absolutely not. We are not doing this. Yes. And I was like, I understand, even though I was Mika at one point being like, let's bring a Ouija board into my home. I will buy one. That's so stupid and foolish. I know. Here we are. <laughs> But then Mika, of course, doesn't listen, brings it in, and just, like, sets it down on their living room, like, coffee table, cleans it, and is just like, hey, look what I brought home. And he's like, of course, wants to contact the entity. Katie doesn't. And he decides to listen to Katie for once. And he's like, fine, we won't do it. But leaves the planchette. Planchette? Yep. On the Ouija board and just goes to bed. And I was like, how dare you? You are not versed in the word of world of Ouija. Also, for my friend Emily, our friend Emily, it is Ouija, not Ouija. Oh, she says Ouija? She says Ouija. And I'm like, no, 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 it's Ouija. Forget that business marriage. I will not marry someone who says Ouija. Started and ended very quickly. The camera stays on the board, which I'm like, obviously he thinks something's going to happen if he's just going to leave the camera sitting up facing their living room. Because it's like, we don't really see during the night anything else other than their bedroom, in this movie at least, until they show either Mika walking around trying to find Katie or them going after they hear a noise. But having the camera set up on the Ouija board all night was like, you're expecting something to happen. I feel like he did it intentionally. I don't. Because he set it up, he set up the Ouija board mm-hmm. on the same night that him and Katie were supposed to be going out on a date. So she is getting ready, and that's why she gets super pissed, because she's like, how dare you ruin this night? And then she walks out, and he runs after her. So they're not home, and then they come right, they come right, back right. from the date. I think that it was one of those things where he set it up and forgot about it, because he went right. after her. I thought they went to bed in my mind. No, they went to um, bed. The Ouija board is sitting on the living room table, ready to be used, and it starts moving by itself. And I like that it didn't just, like, fully combust into flames like it was, like, this, like, oil-fueled fire. It just slowly was, like, trailing along with flames. And I was like, I really like how this is done. And then the flames went out and everything, and it subsided. There was all those, like, scratchings on the Ouija board. And I was like, how did that get there? And yet, no fire damage. Practically. None at all. Does not make, that does not track. 
demons. What can you do? Like, literally, they'll do what they want. Demons. What can you do? That's the tagline for demons. Yes. They got beads, maybe. (laughs) The weird thing after this is when Katie makes him go take the camera up to the room and, like, give, like, a contract almost, you know? And he's like, I swear to abide by Katie and all of her rules with the camera. Is that good? I, once again, still hate you. I hated him from the moment that he turned the camera on in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. And he's like, it's not recording. It's It's just the standby light. And she's like, I'm not stupid. You're trying to record us having sex. You monster. There's a monster already in the house. And now I have to deal with two, three with her family trauma. (laughs) When isn't family trauma the third monster in the room? We're asking the audience. Anybody have any questions? kick it back to the audience. Anybody? Welcome to the stage. Family Family trauma. trauma. (laughs) This whole scene is kind of the turning point where Katie realizes, though, that it's not the house that's being possessed. It's her. And it's been with her forever. Like, she's mentioned it that, like, it's happened to her since she was a kid. But this is, like, that fully realized moment where she's like, it's actually me. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of sad. It is sad. That would be because that would be such a helpless feeling Mm -hmm. to realize. I mean, this is all just an analogy for life. But to realize that you have been the problem all along (laughs) and that there's nothing that you can do that even if you move, you can't outrun yourself. Like I said, metaphor for life. But that I didn't even know. What would you do with that? Cleanse yourself? Just go run into a baptismal font? I also think that Katie's reaction is so great. Like her anger and like, because then after that, once they watch that tape, she's literally like. What tape? Like, sorry, they rewatched the film of the Ouija board catching on fire. Right. The next day. Um, she's literally, like, cold, and she's like... It's nice to see because he is so... Puts it all in disbelief. He doesn't believe in any of it. But then he keeps bringing it all up to Katie, and he, like, thinks it's a joke. But then there's these serious things, and he, she's like, yes, I've been trying to tell you this, but you've been making a joke out of it the mm-hmm. whole time. And so she kind of, like, gets mad, and she's, like, not talking to him. She's like, do we have lemons? Because if you don't, I'd go pick some up. Right? And then she would have left. This scene leads into, like, the other scene I really like, which is... So, yeah, after the drama of the Ouija board, Katie agrees with Mika that... Katie agrees that Mika can do one last thing before they make the call to the demonologist or the psychic. Um, Which, that psychic was a hokey-pokey little man. Remember when he told them that... He was like, you're having a thing calling called a haunting. And I was like, oh, you, you don't think that they've ever heard the word haunting before? If there's one person that I don't trust as a psychic, it's a middle-aged white man. Yep. No, thank you. The information that you're about to provide me, irrelevant, sir. Yep. I don't... I don't need you. Out. And that's you know on. who I need? Salen from Host. Yes. I need a woman covered in moss in her brick, dark basement to tell me what these ghosts are up to. Yes. You? Get the fuck out of here. You are a ghost. Maybe. Um. So, Micah... Mika. <laughs> oh... I don't know why this is so difficult. He spreads, like, the baby powder, like, the talcum powder, whatever it may be. <laughs> Just on night 17. Yeah. They wake up at 3.15 in the morning, a good old witching hour, mm. which is a nice thing I like about this movie, is that there's no consistency with the times that they wake up. I appreciate that, too, just because, you know, the witching hour, I often wake up during the witching hour. Me too. Like, most nights. I don't think that's uncommon, but it's so overused. I paid attention to that and I noticed that It'd as be well. nice if they woke up at like 1.45, 2.23. Like it was like random times, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, so they wake up at 3.15. They hear the sound of whatever is in their house following Katie come into the room. And I really liked this scene because it kind of freaked me out when he said there's footprints coming in. But not going but out. But not going out. And I was like, you, 
need to leave. But she makes a great point in that scene, which is that we see the footprints because it wants us to. Yes. And Those so, footprints. Weird. What they're like, are those? They're like three... Pronged. Three-toed, pronged... I like how we both were like <laughs> mimicking what it looks like out. with three fingers out, <laughs> holding our pinky and thumbs together like it looked like this. But then they decide to leave the bedroom, which fair... They're exploring the top level of their house, and Katie's like, Mika, come here. And, like, the little entryway to their attic, which is not, like, a regular one you see in horror movies that has stairs. It's just, it's an attic. Like, it's just a part of the house. Yeah. So it's, like, slightly shifted along the top of the ceiling. The board that's in place to mm-hmm. cover the attic has it's, shifted so that you can see. Like, someone of tried out. to, it looks yeah. like someone tried to go into it. She goes and gets Mika to come, and he decides to take a ladder up there. I mean, the nice thing about him is he'll just do it. He will just do he, it. He just goes. He's like, I'll go look downstairs. Mika is a doer, and that is the only, only credit yeah, I will give him. Only redeeming quality yeah. that he has about him. He goes up there, and he looks around and decides to ask Katie for the camera to look in, and it's kind of the first time that we are with Katie and Mika, but we are the viewers who is going to be seeing what's in the attic versus the characters seeing it. Watching this like slowly pan through this attic full of insulation and then all they find is the picture of Katie, which is from her house that burned down 17 years ago. A photo of her standing in front of it as a child with burned edges. So that's my other favorite scene is the footprints and the attic finding the burned picture with the camera movements. It's a good one. As a first-time viewer, when I first watched this, I found that horrifying. The photo. The photo, yeah. The idea that whatever it is has something from her, from all these years that's Mm -hmm. following her, is so terrifying. Now, it was a moment where I wasn't able to suspend my disbelief. Because I don't like when, and we've talked about this before, I don't like when the spiritual realm and the physical world interact in that way. Where it's like, okay, so what? Was this demon carrying this physical picture around in his pocket for the last 17 years? So he's invisible, but there's just a little picture working its way through the air everywhere the demon moves. Because it's a physical thing that exists. Where does it go? But the thing is... Do demons have an invisibility sack like Harry Potter? Quite possibly. Let him carry it around. Nice little keepsake. He has to remember who Katie is. I know he does. I'm just asking about the logistics of this Well, guess what? Nothing's real. They put baby powder on the ground. Did you think that was smart? Because I kind of did. Oh, so smart. Yeah. You know? I I thought to myself, I would not think of that. (laughs) No, but I also would never do that. Oh, no. I would have been, as per usual, with a a movie, we would not be there. Nope. But if it's following you around, what do you do? What would I do? Simply not be here. (laughs) That's the nicest way I can put it. Uh, I just picture you fading into the background, just like disappearing. Like, adios. That is precisely what I would do. I would go live in the woods and let it sure let it take me, I guess. I mean, what else do you maybe, do at that point? Maybe you and the Toby, which is his name. Mm. I don't know if they ever like explicitly state that in this film. They don't. No, his name is Toby eventually. Why? I don't sh- I don't know. Do I don't you didn't tell me to shut up. Yes. I don't wanna I don't wanna ask questions. I don't wanna get into it. His name is Toby. Alright then. We have Mika, but you can't accept Toby. Mika's not a demon. Your demon name is Toby? <laughs> I don't think he named himself Toby. I think it was named... Katie and her sister named it Toby. Oh, like, okay. It was like when they were interacting with it as a child, it was like, Toby's here. Yeah, that'd be like me being like, I just need to tell you. Uh, there's been this energy following me for about 17 years. His name is Lionel. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about uh, how they made this movie. 
Sure. I don't. I know a little bit about it, but I can tell you about it. Cool. Thanks. Bring it on. This is one of the highest profiting movies ever. Isn't that insane? Insane. The second one is the third. That's crazy. Even though it didn't do well, but it it is. Yeah, it didn't deserve to do very well. So this Same. movie was kind of the exact formula of the Blair Witch Project. Mm -hmm. So they did a thing called retroscripting, which is basically they give the actors an outline and a story for the day, and then they improv it. There is no real script to it. Um, Do you think you could do that? No, I do not. I was thinking about the logistics of that, and I feel like, first of all, I'm not an actor, but I have done improv. And improv works for the reason that there is no really end goal Mm -hmm. besides to create a scene. I think if there was an objective, I would find myself hung up a lot on, like, what's my next move? I think I'd be too in my head Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. My background is radio. When I was on air doing shows for a couple of years, most of my bits were word for word written, pre-written. Just because I I don't know how to get myself from point A to point B. No, I I do that even, like, talking on the phone. And I feel like it's probably an anxiety thing. Oh, probably. Um, But, yeah, like, it's nice to have, like, points to go with. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure, you could improvise. Like, I mean, we have points that we talk about with this, and we're improvising as we go along. Yeah. Because we're not reading what we thought word for word. But it's nice to have, like, an like an outline. Yeah. But if, I think if the outline for Paranormal Activity was wake up, some point a Ouija board's gonna show up, or you have to use a Ouija board, like, what do you do to fill that whole scene? I mean, they're not just filming a whole day like it's a reality show. No. I just don't think I would know how to properly move the plot forward. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they'll do multiple takes. It's not like Blair Witch where they had, you know, 80 hours of footage that was all on film. Yeah. You know? But these, I mean, these are also trained actors, and I've watched actors work before. And it's insane what they can do and the way that they can come up with things on the spot like that. That's that's what they do. Wow. Actors do this thing where... <laughs> don't even go there. I don't want to hear it. They act. They act. Um, also... I was just reading my notes. I lied about Paranormal Activity 2. It's the 13th spot on the list, not number three. Oh, I thought you were going to say it wasn't the third. It was the 13th movie. I was like, yeah, it shouldn't be on any list that there's a 13th movie. Get over it. We're done. Any hoozles. It's also, it's not the most profitable movie of all time. No, I said it's one of the highest profiting movies of all time. Oh, who was the first? Probably Titanic or Avatar. God, I love Titanic. (laughs) I wish I didn't. It's one of those movies where it's like, we gotta let it go. We, as a society, <laughs> we, we have, have to, to let it go. We just have to move past it. You can't. You can't. You have to watch it once a month, cry your eyes out, think about it for a week, and then three weeks of silence. Yes. Start again. So they auditioned like a couple hundred people. And then these two came in. They auditioned separately. They did not know each other. They called them back in for a chemistry reading. It was as if they'd known each other for years. Hmm. So perfect they yeah. cast them they were originally paid five hundred dollars each yeah Gr- actually pretty good I, how many days do you did you know how many days they shot for seven day shooting schedule i is it though because it's... i work in an industry in which i've had to cast actors before and the rate would generally be a bit higher the the thing is though if they are sat actors or not right i'm assuming that they pro- can you tell people what that means no <laughs> <laughs> um if they're with a union. Yes, like Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. You know, like if they're part of like a union, yes. then they have to get paid a certain amount right. and they can't work on independent projects, etc. Mm-hmm. So maybe they weren't part of a union. They don't have a union rep. So it makes sense why they got paid that. But their budget was only $15,000. Yeah. So when you think about it, a thousand of that is now got just two actors. 
when you're going to have to pay for probably camera rentals. You're going to have to pay for an editor, the director, all craft services. $15,000 is not a lot to make a movie when you think about having to pay everyone and put it on. Mm -hmm. So the film was shot out of sequence. He wa- The director wanted to have things sort of like the Blair Witch unfold as the story was unfolding, but it just wasn't possible. Um, so they f- the film was shot day and night and edited at the exact same time and would wow. have visual effects applied to it as the footage was being finalized. I mean, when that makes sense if they have to watch the film back in the next day. And That's Mika. also so much work. I, I was in that position of having to edit footage so that you had it for the next day and then keep that same... Like, yes, you can do, like, after effects and maybe superimpose footage later onto, like, a device they're watching. But, like, having to quickly edit that and make it look good so that you can keep it in the film, I'd be scared. That's a hefty time constraint. Mm -hmm. Because even if you pull it off, which clearly they did, I feel like being able to sit with something and come up with different concepts and new ideas, Mm -hmm. as a creative person, sometimes that's the process. It takes longer than you'd envision. However... That self-imposed seven-day shooting schedule, they didn't need to do that. No. And choosing to do that when you know it's just seven days, I think you can pull it off. Yeah. And they're lucky that it worked out the way that it did. Mm -hmm. Could have been a huge disaster. I found it interesting. So Mika, they had him control the cameras for most of the movie because he worked as a cameraman at a television station previously. Wow. So he... Wow. (laughs) I lost my voice for a split. Moved. So this is kind of how things went. The film was almost sold to DreamWorks, and their plan was they just wanted to take the movie, the concept of it, give him a bigger budget, and then remake it, and include the original version as an extra on the DVD that they'd eventually release. DreamWorks. I feel like, does DreamWorks do a lot of scary movies? Not that I knew of. So he agreed with the stipulation that they do a screen testing of the original film before going ahead with a remake. Because he thought it's going to be well-received by audiences. But during the screening, people started to walk out. So the execs thought, they thought the film was bombing. They were right. Except they found out that people were leaving because they were so scared. Interesting. And then they realized that a remake was not wise. So they cut that and then Paramount bought the domestic rights and the worldwide rights to any sequels for $350,000. And then the film was taken in by Paramount. They made all the changes. Some scenes were cut. Others were added. The original ending was scrapped with two new endings before being shot the ending shown in theaters during the film's worldwide release is the one that we we see now um, and differs from the endings that were previously seen in the original viewings have you seen all of them i have which one was your favorite i actually really like the original ending me too so the original ending is that yeah so on the last night she goes down and then she starts screaming and then mika goes down after her and we can presume that she's killed him. And so in the original, she comes back to the bedroom, sits down against the bed with the knife in her hand, and she's rocking back and forth. And then the time fast forwards, and she sits there for two days straight. Then her friend starts calling and is leaving messages saying that she's concerned because she hasn't heard from them. This is the friend they were beating together. And then the friend comes to look for her. So then she comes into the house, she finds Mika's body, and then Katie becomes possessed again. Scares Amber out of the house before returning back to herself. She resumes rocking back and forth. Police officers come to the house later. Ultimately, she goes at them with a knife and they end up shooting her. Mm -hmm. I don't love that she dies, Mm -hmm. but I do think that that ending makes the most sense to me in just a realistic film that's going to end there. It's also like an extra like six and a half minutes of Mm -hmm. footage because they really focus on her 
those like time frames of her rocking back and forth for yeah. a long time because it's supposed to be like what four days maybe in total after mm-hmm. it all so it's like a long sequence but I do really that one's my favorite also because it's almost shocking you don't think that they're gonna kill her and then they do the other version which was the alternate ending the same thing happens mm-hmm. in every version where Katie goes downstairs screams Mika follows her he dies and then that's where it changes So in this alternate ending, Katie comes back upstairs, looks into the camera, has the knife with her, and slits her throat with a grinning, gruesome smile, Mm -hmm. claps to the floor, end of film. It's also interesting that, back to the original, in the credits, they put in loving memory of Micah and Katie, Mika and Katie, and they have a photo of them. Oh, I don't like that as much. But it's, I think that if I would have saw that original, it would have been even harder hitting i think it would have been emotionally harder hitting but i don't know that that's necessarily the best scary or the best best way way to go about it yeah Yeah. but there was also an unfilmed ending which um katie enters the corner of micah's like bed and takes the camera and bludgeons him with the film lens until he dies it's from the camera's point of view so we're watching it We don't know what would happen after that if Katie dies, if she lives, if, you know. Mm -hmm. Because we do find out that Katie lives in the other movies. That unfilmed ending where she bludgeons him to death with the camera. I kind of love that. Me too. I think it's a poetic ending and it serves some sense of... I mean, at that point, she's no longer herself. So it's not as if she's doing this to exact revenge on him for not taking her seriously or for, you know putting her life Mm -hmm. on display in this way when she's asked him not to. However, I just loathed that character so much and how much he didn't take her seriously. And it's kind of like he got what was coming to him. Right. You know? And and to die by being bludgeoned by the thing that kind of caused all of it. Yeah, would have been a bit of a poetic justice. However, yeah, they decided it was too brutal and they couldn't shoot it. Um did you ever see the movie The Last Exorcism? 2010. It was about this young girl who lived on a farm with I think her parents and these people were going out to do a documentary on her. It sounds very familiar. Perform an exorcism. Anyways, there's a very similar scene in that movie. Nell is the main character. I don't know why I remember her name, but I can never say Mika. (laughs) But Nell takes the camera from wherever and goes out to the barn, and she's filming one of the farm cats, and she does the same thing as what was supposed to happen to Mika. I have seen this. But to the cat, and it was like... Yeah, that's a little much. And so... It's always the thing, though, is, like, if it happens to animals, ten times worse than if it happens to a human. I'm like, you deserved it if it was Mika, but if it's an animal... Never. Never in a million years would I like to see that on film. I don't... I cannot condone animal abuse for Nor anything. should you should. No, I just mean, like, in a film sense and scary yes. movies, I almost never see it as a tactic that had any sort of no. useful... The only time... Is when they sacrifice a goat. Not what I was going to say, but okay. <laughs> the only time that I feel like... It was a really good plot point in a movie, and I know you haven't seen this, and I know that I've talked about this a million times, Fatal Attraction. It's well known. It's a very uh, famous scene that the woman who has lost her mind boils the family bunny. It's so over the top and ridiculous. Like, you don't look Mm -hmm. at it and think there's nothing gratuitous about it. But I remember seeing that kind of passively as a child and being like, that is the scariest thing I have ever heard or seen. How could you boil a bunny? Real witches do real things. (laughs) As Azealia Banks once said. Azealia Banks, 2017. So this movie was 
directed and produced by Oren Pelly. I hope I'm saying his name right. And he was a software developer before getting into movie making and filmmaking. Oren said that he was, like, always comfortable with, you know, CGI and make Like, he had, like, the knowledge to apply it to movies. Yeah. It says he used a home movie camera, filmed in his own house, hired unknown actors to help with the production, and edited down 70 hours of footage. 70 hours? So I 10 hours, imagine. 10 hours less than Blair Witch. I cannot imagine how much work that is. Right? Oh my god. And to pick what's the best parts of all of that mm-hmm. and to create a cohesive storyline beyond me. Continuing on with Oren Pelly, he watched The Exorcist when he was 11. It freaked him out so bad that he could never watch another scary movie with a haunting or a ghost in it. Ever? Ever. He was in his mid-teens when Ghostbusters came out, and he knew it was a comedy. He could not go see it because he was so terrified of ghosts. Shame. Great movie. Um, And then he didn't see another horror movie until he was into his 20s. But then he used to hear strange sounds around his house, which inspired him to now make paranormal activity and profit off of it. What were the strange sounds in his house? I don't... It's just he just heard strange sounds. The last kind of fun thing that I want to talk about is Steven Spielberg... Yeah. Had a copy of this movie. Did you see this? No. Oh, yes. I actually did hear about this. Um, He had a copy of his movie when DreamWorks Studios was considering mm-hmm. buying it. And he thought when he took it home, his version of the DVD was haunted because the bedroom door he was using closed and locked by itself from, like, the inside. Oh, I hate that. So he personally believed that everything that this movie was real. Interesting. Um, And then he famously, it says he famously carried the DVD to work in a trash bag because he thought it was haunted. Steven Spielberg. And And yet you made Poltergeist, the most haunted film of all time. Right. And then he said despite the shock, he loved the movie and suggested the new ending, which is the one audiences ended up seeing in the theatrical release. Stop trying to get credit, Spielberg. We Everywhere he goes. I know. I just have to say correction from the episode of Blair Witch Project because it has annoyed me since I edited that episode, but I... There was no way for me to feasibly edit it out. I said that the movie The Haunting, the 90s remake of The Haunting of Hill House, was created by Steven Spielberg. It was not. He was involved in The Haunting of Hill House, the series. But he was not the director of the remake. Okay. Thank you for clearing up. I don't know if anybody caught that, but I caught it and I was annoyed with myself. Thank you for sharing your truth. Thank you. Thank you for listening and respecting that I, too, make mistakes. Let's rate this. Okay. Scary. I've been thinking about this for about three days now since I've watched this. And I do not know what I want to say. Because the first time I saw this movie, it absolutely scared me. It was beyond 10. Like, scared the absolute living daylights out of me. Mm Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's stale. It's a little stale, and I don't think it's. I don't think it's the movie as much as it is. Like you can't have that original shock mm-hmm. in horror anymore. But I still think, to be fair to the original viewing, I should just give it a ten. I gave it a five okay. because I'm going on that. I'm teeter tottering. That's not not a saying. It just sounded very odd. I was thinking of also tater tots while I said it. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I love a tater. I gave it a five okay. because it's scary, but it's not, you know, like it's scary once you first view it. It's not after. Mm-hmm. And it's dependent when you watched it. If you watched it when it came out, terrifying. Yes. If not, I'm just reiterating everything you were saying. But I do think that it's a great entry to horror for people who don't know where to start. I think that if you want to start with something that's not like, oh, it's so old, oh, it's going to be like really scary, even though we've claimed it was, in today's age, if you're like, I kind of want to get into horror and you're listening to this, I would suggest Paranormal Activity to start. Unsettling? It is not something that stays with me now. 
So this is another hard one. Because I did rewatch it and I rewatched it for the first time in years. Me too. And I was nervous, admittedly. When I put it on, I kind of was like, am I going to fuck up my sleep for the next three days? And uh, I felt almost nothing about it. But the first time, it ruined my life. So I'm going to have to, I don't know, like a seven. See, and I gave it a two. See, but I it's think so that we're, I think you're not being as fair to it. It's original viewing as I am. Right. Because I put two, it's all right, but nothing tops like watching it for the first time in 10 plus years. Right. 10 years also when I said that? What the hell? I know, a lot of that stuff makes me um, throw up on myself. You know, all of my ratings, I would say, for watching it for the first time are all close to 10. Because it literally was so terrifying. Mm-hmm. But now they're all close to five or less. I would say the same thing. I'm having a hard time with these numbers, but they're definitely, mm-hmm. for an adult in the second viewing, they're fairly low. Yeah. For story... Uh, I'm kind of indifferent to it. I mean, it's it really has nothing special. Like, it's not like it's revolutionary in the way that they're telling the story. It is a couple who is being haunted with the new age of technology. It's like a five, like four or five. Yeah. Like, it's it's not like... I would stick around for the story or I'd want to explain it to someone because there's nothing to explain. It having its whole universe now is helpful for mm-hmm. quote-unquote story. But just for the original, it's like a three. It's not that yeah. good. They're not doing anything. They're not telling any sort of intricate tale yeah. with this. No, and there's no like plot twists or anything. Like, it's just, it's very like point A to point B. Is it a paper cut? Or is it a bloody massacre? I think for the sake of it being... What it is now, a paper cut, but 10 years ago, was a full bloody massacre. I was, the the paranormal activity got to me. So that's where I'm sitting with it right now. Yeah. High school Kennedy would say full bloody massacre. Um, Right now Kennedy would say, oof. One too many people making beads. (laughs) You know when you get um, the flu shot? Mm -hmm. And they're like, here's a little Band-Aid, just in case. And then you take it off. And And there's there's absolutely nothing on that. Yes. That's what that was for me. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of work up for no payoff. You crawled inside my brain on that one. I loved that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Beads. Not so good on the second round. Well, everybody, it's been another episode of the Bloody Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. Within reason, please. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk to all of you right now. Um, Don't call all at once. But please do send your suggestions. I've gotten some good ones recently for things I've never even heard of that I Mm -hmm. need to share with you. And I love that. So please, anything that you really have a lot of feelings about, I too would like to have feelings about them. Me too. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Podcastacre. You can email us at thebloodypodcastacre at gmail.com. And you can find us on YouTube. Like, share, subscribe. Comment. Review, rate on Apple Podcasts if you can. It's super appreciated. We've had some great ratings so far and we super appreciate that. Yeah. Until next time. What happens when you sleep?